Hallelujah. We give you praise in this place. Amen, amen. As Kids Church is dismissed, um, we will go before the Lord. Word of the Lord today, Genesis chapter 4. We start our reading in verse 9. The Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth for me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thine hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond thou shalt be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from the face, from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. The Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. As if his punishment was bad enough, death would have been a relief. But God said, hey, you're not going to die. You're going to continue in suffering as long as it takes. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. So I want you to take a minute here to, to picture with me uh, how Enoch was started. The starting of this city. It was planted in darkness, planted in hopelessness, in despair, fear. Enoch was not a city of light. It's not a city you would want to go to. Because Cain is the one who started it. But yet there are people that learn to live in such cities, in such circumstances that, are, that God does not want you to be in. And so I want to preach today from this title, Learning to Live. Learning to Live. Turn to a few people and greet them as you're seated today. One of the most fascinating things found in life is the ability to adapt. When it comes to that time of the year when seasons change from one to the next, that uh, really doesn't apply to us too much down here. Um, but in many places around the world, there is a noticeable difference in seasons. And... Uh, many types of animals real, will relocate for that change of season. As they aren't able to live with this new climate and new weather, birds and man uh, migrate to warmer climates. Uh, grizzly bears, they're so big they don't want to travel, so they go and hide in a cave for six months uh, to stay warm. And so even whales, whales will swim thousands of miles during different times of the year to uh, migrate to different warmths uh, of water, and uh, they are adapting to the changes in their situation. And those animals and those people who do not go elsewhere, they stay in their spot and they learn to adapt to the change, change in weather. And if you want to continue to live, in such a place, then you will adapt or die. Uh, the sweaters and jackets are shuffled from the back of the closet up towards the more uh, accessible areas because we know we're going to need them when it drops below 70 down here. So we, we, we don't uh, adapt too well to anything under that. We, we like it, but uh, uh, we, we bundle up really quick. 
the adaptability of mankind is really astounding. You can take a man from his paradise home in southwest Florida and drop him in the Sahara Desert, and if he really wants to live, he's going to adapt and learn how to survive somehow. Man has learned how to survive in the most extreme of places on this globe and beyond the globe, from the sub-zero temperatures of the Antarctic uh, to the crushing force of the bottom of the ocean, man has learned how to survive and live in such conditions. Even in outer space where nothing lives, we have learned to adapt to the conditions out there. But that opens the question for debate, is there a difference between living and surviving? Man can survive in outer space or at the depths of the ocean, but can man really live there? What life there may be is different than the life that we have here in the normal conditions. But in order to survive, man learns how to adapt with changes. Stephen Hawking's was a world-renowned scientist and uh, proclaimed profound atheist. He'd probably get upset that we're talking about him during a church service, but uh, he was such a staunch atheist, but I, I'm sure he knows now and he believes that there's a God. He was a spokesperson on how to adapt to the changes one faces. He had ALS, which is a horrible disease that slowly eats away at the neurons that control muscle movement and leads to one being paralyzed, and in most cases, death happens within two to four years. Stephen discovered that he had this disease uh, when he was in his early 20s, but he survived for more than 50 years after having been diagnosed he had the ability to move just a single cheek muscle. That's all he was left, a single cheek muscle. But that was connected to a computer, and he learned how to speak with this one little muscle on his cheek. What a dreadful condition to be in, but he learned to adapt, and he learned to live in his condition and with his surroundings. But our text tells us of another man who's surroundings changed, but not for the betterment, but for the worse, which the consequences of that change, we know that Cain brought upon himself. And man has barely taken two steps in the Garden of Eden, and we, we, we find the, the first casualty of sin uh, uh, when, when Cain kills Abel. Uh, and so that, my friends, is the greatest illustration of the power of sin. How quickly one can go from paradise to a literal death in a matter of moments. Uh, it doesn't matter the situation or surroundings. Sin will come in and make a wreck of things if we permit it and we allow it. The third human being in man's existence kills the fourth human being, his younger brother, all because sin entered the heart of a man. And once it entered, it took over and multiplied like a cancer, and, and man has been in a fallen state ever since. And that is why we cannot play around with sin. And that is why there's no negotiating with sin, because sin doesn't play nice. It's out to steal, kill, and destroy. And even just a little bit of it in your life is going to spread into some kind of cancerous thing that will eat away at the life that God wants us to have. God even told Cain, sin desires to have you. Therefore, the only way to prevail over it is you've got to master the sin. You've got to conquer the sin. Sin cannot be reasoned with. It has to be mastered. It has to be conquered, and it has to be dealt with. Otherwise, it's going to go loose because it has an insatiable desire for us and our our very nature has a lust towards sin because we were conceived in sin. 
and we have this fallen nature that is drawn towards sin and darkness as rather opposed to light and God. And so uh, sin is likened to or compared like an enemy that is lying in wait, ready to attack us. Cain, sin lieth at the door. It's waiting for you. It's waiting for you to make a move to uh, those thoughts that you have in your mind and your heart. It's waiting on those for you to start acting on that, and sin will come running in. Uh, Sin is not going to play nice with us, so we should not play nice with sin. The damage that is inflicted by sin is often done rather quickly. And sin is sin, even a, a small compromise is still giving in. If you give in a little bit here and you give in a little bit over here, pretty soon after a while you look back and you realize how you ended up where you are. It's just little by little. And so that's why we have to stand guard. We have to stand at the door and guard against sin that is trying to get into our lives and our homes and our hearts. And we got to push back and we got to fight against the wiles of the devil and against darkness if we don't stand there. Sin's going to make his way in. And so one day you'll find sin not lying at the door, but inside your home and inside your heart if you don't get a hold of it. If you don't stand there uh, looking for it and to keep it out. Your hopes and dreams will be out on the front porch where sin should be, waiting on the outside and not inside. And so that is why sin has to be ruled over you. you, We have to die out to sin, die out to our fleshly desires, and we have to die out to our lust so that we will crucify our will and our, our desires. And that way, sin does not have any power over us because we're dead to it. But if we are still affected by sin, then we have, we're still alive, aren't we? We haven't died out to something, and therefore sin still has access. Cain gave in to sin just as his parents did, and he killed his younger brother Abel, and then he smarted off to God when God asked him where his brother was. He said, am I my brother's keeper? And so God dealt quickly with Cain because he needed to be dealt with quickly, obviously. Uh, And he laid out his punishment for killing his brother. He was cursed uh, from the earth. Um, When he tills the ground, it would not bring forth anything. And uh, basically, his his whole livelihood was was gone kaput. Like, it's over. Uh, He couldn't do anything anymore because the ground would not uh, grow anything for him. And so a fugitive and a vagabond he's going to be. He's going to have to roam from place to place to uh, survive. And uh, Cain says, um, uh, this was more than I can bear. Not more, even more than just not being able to farm crops. He would be a a vagabond. Uh, And if Cain thought death would put an end to his miserable life, he now was going to live uh, because God made sure that nobody would kill Cain by placing a mark on him. And so now Cain would have to adjust to this new life where nothing would be in his favor. A life filled with hopelessness and despair and, and darkness. What do you do when you're marked by God and, and everything is working against you? And uh, uh, he would learn to live this way and adjust his life to such a, such a condition as a fugitive and a vagabond. But if that punishment wasn't enough, Scripture says that he was banned from the presence of God. He was kicked out from God's presence. As Cain said, from thy face I shall be hid. The greatest punishment Cain had to face was that God would not be in his life anymore. Cain, you're not going to die. You're you're not going to be killed by another person. No, Cain, you are going to have to learn to live without God. And a life like that is really not a life at all, is it? Genesis 4, 16, and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod in the east of Eden. And so one of the greatest tragedies in a person's life is the absence of God. 
We know that God is everywhere and there is no place that he is not, but the saddest life is one who does not have God in their life or in their home or in their heart. Uh, and so we can, we can all attest to that life because we came from that life, didn't we? A life without God, a life where we were in control is a life of sin, a life of darkness, a life of sadness, a life filled with chains and addictions, a life really that leads to nowhere. A person living without God will never find true happiness. And I don't know about you, but every day I am thankful for the grace of God, for the blessings of God. I'm thankful that I found him, that I found the truth, uh, that I can experience the love of God and to get to worship in an atmosphere like this today. I'm thankful uh, for that because I've lived a life without God and it's not a good one. And so nothing that this world has to offer can satisfy the hunger of my soul like the, the spirit of God can. Jesus is all that we need. And I know that he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light and that we've repented of our sins and been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Now we have a new life because this is the only life that we are actually alive because of him. And we can't, I can't imagine uh, trying to live again a life without God. I can't imagine having to go through life without him now. I can't imagine trying to fight battles without any hope, without any strength. I can't imagine struggling with the loss of loved ones without his spirit to, to comfort us and to give us a peace that passes all understanding. I can't imagine living without God, but, but millions and billions of people do it every single day. How? It's not impossible. You'll just have to learn to adjust. You'll have to learn to live without God. Life goes on. People make changes. People adjust. They modify their lifestyle. They, they make substitutions and they learn to live without God in their life anymore. Just as Cain did and uh, verse 17, Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch, and he built a city, and he called the name of the city after his son Enoch. And so it was an adjustment that Cain had to make, but Cain got used to it. After a while, it just becomes normal, doesn't it? It's a little bit uh, uncomfortable in the beginning, but after, you, after a while, you get used to it, and this is, this is the new way you're living. Uh, this is the way it is now. I've adapted to my conditions and surroundings. Uh, Cain had a son, and he built the city, and uh, somehow Cain made it. Somehow Cain survived, and he lived apart from the presence of God. So it is not impossible. People do it all the time. He went on to live his life, and it, it sounds like he did all right. I mean, he built a city. I mean, I haven't done that. We, nobody here has done that that I'm aware of. Uh, but uh, he built a city, he probably became wealthy, substituting the riches of this world for the presence of God. If I don't have riches in God, then I'll just get riches from this world to help, help comfort over that spot, that, I, that scar that I know that is there. We all know people who have learned to live without God. For whatever reason they left God, God did not leave them, but they left God. Some of them may even have become rich, pursuing careers in this world rather than God. And, and to be honest, it, it can be frustrating. God, here I am serving you. Here I am living my life for you the, the best way that I can. And, and here is this person who, who could not care less about you or about your word or, or about anything righteous. And, and yet they have all kinds of money and they have a, a big house. They have a nice car. And I'm over here just barely kind of getting by. But yet I'm living for you, God. 
Adam and Eve are, are moving along with their lives, just trying to adjust and to live the best that they can. And, and their reprobate son, Cain, has, has left God, and he's out building cities now. It looks like he's thriving. It looks like Cain is making it in his new life. And, and me, I'm just kind of just kind of trying to, to barely make it and, and having a hard time in this world. It, it seems like I'm struggling the, uh, more than ungodly people around me. And yet, shouldn't they be the ones struggling? You see, David, he felt this way as well. Psalm 73, he said, for I was envious at the foolish, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They, they are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain, and violence cover them as a garment. And, and their eyes stand out with fatness, and they have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak it wickedly concerning oppression, and they speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people returneth hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out of them, out to them. And they say, how doth God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in this world, and they increase in riches. Uh, verily, but I have cleansed my heart, it seems like in vain, and, and washed my, my hands in innocency. Uh, uh, for all the day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. And, and David's like, I'm the one that's living for you, God, and, and I'm the one getting plagued and chastened. And, and, and if, I, if I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of my children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Anyone identify with that? It's just, God, like, what's going on? What's going on, Lord? But the next verse, until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I understood it in. You see, all it took was for me to get into the house of God, to get into his presence, and then that I understood that they don't have this. This is something that they cannot buy. They cannot purchase this. They may have a lot of stuff. They may have a lot of money in the newest vehicles and toys, but they do not have this. They don't have God. They don't have the spirit of God in their life. They don't have the blessings in the presence of God to be there when we're all alone. You see, it may look like they're having a good time and they may laugh in their prosperity, but that is the pinnacle of their life because they are living a life without God. I don't know about you, but his presence is worth more to me than a nice car or a nice house or some good possessions. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to bask in his presence and his glory. It's worth more than anything this world has to offer. And so we are a blessed people because we are connected to God and we have him in our lives. Don't get distracted by the material things that man makes to, uh, to, to supplement their absence of God in their life. They'll take comfort in a car. We'll take comfort in, in Jesus Christ. Which one's going to last longer? Amen. Which one is not going to drain our finances, but we're going to have a blessed life when we keep God in our life and keep him put first. Moses decided that he would rather suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Why? Because even though I may not have a lot of possessions, I still get to feel his presence. I still get to feel his glory and his spirit move in my life. And that is worth more than silver or gold or anything that this world can offer. And he is still with me. And I, I don't want to learn to live a life without God. Job was a rich and wealthy man, but then one day it all came crumbling down. He lost all his possessions. He lost his children. And his wife told him to curse God and die. And Job says, 
I may have lost all the things that this world gave me, but I'm not going to lose God. I'm not going to lose him. I can learn to live without kids and possessions, but I don't want to learn to live without God in my life because he's done too much for me. I cannot give up on God. I can't turn my back on him. I, I can't imagine living without God, and yet people do it every single day. People who have sat in these very seats have chosen to live their lives without God. Going from living in his presence to living in Enoch doesn't happen as swiftly as it did for Cain. You see, all the devil needs for you to do is to, to miss one service and to miss a Sunday or a Thursday or miss a day of prayer, miss a day of devotion, and, and you start giving him room to start working in your life uh, because uh, you haven't been doing what, what God is calling us to do. And so that is all the devil needs to start building a trap is a break in our faithfulness uh, uh, to adjust our course for a new life in a different direction. All it takes is something small and subtle. Saints who are learning to live without God are trading a heavenly birthright for the price of a cup of soup. As Esau was the firstborn, he was in line to receive the blessings of Abraham. He was in line to uh, give birth to the lineage of Messiah. And he traded it for a bowl of lentil soup, thinking it wasn't really all that valuable at him at the moment. You see, I, I've got other things to do uh, on Sunday, and church can wait. It'll be there next week and next service. And I've got a job that's more important to me right now than, than going to church. And I, I've got this and that, and I'll be sure to catch up next week. But, but then the day came when Isaac handed out the blessing. And Esau replied, what happened? What happened? And the severity of his choice was realized, but it was too late, wasn't it? Genesis 27, 30, and Esau said to his father, hast thou but one blessing? My father, bless me even also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Too late, Esau. Now you have to learn to live without the promise. It didn't seem like much years ago, but that just that little decision is all it takes to set you off course and, and start headed to live in Enoch, this place of, of hopelessness and despair that was, that was birthed in darkness and away from God. Too late, Esau, you made the choice and you've adapted and you've learned to live your life without God. All it takes is one choice, and that decision can turn your life upside down. But Esau's life didn't come to an end that day. After he missed out on the blessing from his father, no, Esau lived. He went on to live many more years after that. He adjusted. He adapted. He moved to the proverbial city of Enoch. And he learned to live there without God. Fast forward some 20 years and, and Jacob is on his way back home and with his family and livestock that he's accumulated while at his uncle's house. And Esau hears that Jacob is coming and he goes to meet him. And Jacob hears that Esau is coming and is waiting for him. And so he splits his family up and he sends a tribute to Esau. as recorded here in Genesis 33. And he said, uh, Esau said, what meanest thou by all of this drove that which I met? And Jacob said, these are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep thou that which thou hast unto thyself. You see, Jacob is wanting to give Esau some blessings that God gave him. And Esau says, I have enough. Just keep it. I don't need any of that in my life. Jacob, I have learned to live without God in my life. I have learned to live. I don't need your blessing. I've already got enough. 
My life is fine. I don't need church. I don't need religion. I don't need you to constantly invite me back. Uh, I have enough, and I have learned to live without God. My life is just fine. That's, that's a citizen of Enoch. That's where they come. That's how they live their life now. You see, Adam and Eve were told that if, if they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that in that day that they would surely die. Did they die immediately? No. They, they did not. They actually lived. They lived days and days and days and years and years. They actually learned to live outside of the garden. Where God would come down when in the garden, God would come down in the cool of the day and, and, he, and he'd walk with Adam and, and his creation and, and God would walk with him and, and talk with him uh, like we do face to face. But the serpent came and sin entered and, and then when God came down to walk, the Bible says when they heard his voice, they hid themselves. How are we going to make it? Without walking with God in the cool of the day. I'm not sure, Eve. I don't know how we're going to make it, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure out. We'll figure out how to adapt and adjust this new life where we don't walk with God anymore. We'll learn to live outside of his presence. And as time passes, people learn to live in Enoch. They're, they're drawn there. Uh, by the, the, the hopelessness and, and the despair uh, and the sorrow that uh, is in this world. And it just slowly pulls people to this city uh, of Enoch and to live there uh, in a place that was started apart from the presence of God. And as tragic as that is, what is even worse is that those who live without him will die without him. Which is the ultimate consequence of sin? Separation from the presence of God. And Adam and Eve learned, they learned to hide themselves from the voice of God. You see, we can live life without hearing from God. And I don't need to hear his voice to live. I can make it without walking with God. I'm doing just fine. I don't need a church or a preacher to live. I, I can just do church wherever, however I want. To be. But if you live without a preacher, you're going to die without a preacher. And Romans 10 and 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So you cannot live without going to church. You cannot live for God without a preacher, without going to church, without a family, without the word of God. Because how are you going to be able to call upon him without a preacher, without somebody speaking the word of God in your life? Uh, true life is hearing the voice of God and, and walking in the cool of the day in his presence. That's what it means to really live with God. And so that is why God sent preachers to those who are hiding, to those that are lost and separated uh, so that they can hear his voice once again. But they got to come out from the hiding. They got to come out from the, from the, 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 the darkness of sin and they got to come out into the light and be exposed in the presence of God. And if, if they're not willing to do that, then they're just going to adjust to live their life without God as, as it becomes more and more normal. And their current situation is just, this is the way it is now. Sadly, many people are learning to live without God. And it starts with one choice, one action, and one decision. Musicians, if you would come. But, but how does this relate to us? I mean, we're talking about a, the city of Enoch, not a city of light. And, you know, we are the people of light. And... And how does Enoch apply to us when we shouldn't be there, living there, or headed in that direction? Um, uh, we go to church and we hear the preaching and we're here for worship. And uh, Enoch sounds like a place for the lost and a, a place for the ungodly. But Enoch is a place 
that has ungodly things in it. It doesn't have to be a physical location. It can be a state of mind. It can be a, a proverbial place. It's a, it's a place of hopelessness, a place of fear and despair, a place of misery and pain and depression because all these things Cain had in his life when he built this city. Sometimes things may not be uh, good or bad, but it's all about how they were conceived and how they were started and what, what kind of what place were you in when you did this and, and you, you started that thing. Is it, it may be neutral, but it was started with for the wrong reason or it was started with a, with a bad spirit or, 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 or bad mood. And, and so that thing can grow and develop and fester into something that is, uh, that is uh, ungodly and it takes it on, its, on something that it should not be. Uh, and so starting cities are, uh, was not a bad thing, but uh, the condition that Cain was in, being kicked out from the presence of God and hopelessness and, and despair and fear. In that moment, that's when he said, I'm going to build this city called Enoch. And so uh, the place of Enoch is going to be a place where all of these things reside. And it only takes one of these things to open the door, to keep the, keep the door open, to allow other things in. James 3.16 for where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. You want to get every evil work in your life, just, just pick one of those and let, start letting that in your life. And then it keeps the door open for other things, and pretty soon all these other uh, spirits, ungodly spirits and things of darkness and depression and uh, fear and all these things start coming in. Why? Because you just let one of them in. They're not going to close the door and lock it. They're going to prop it open and allow others to come in. And so all it takes is for something started in a, in a depressed mode or a, a, in a moment of despair, and it can easily transform into a city of darkness where all these things reside. And so the people of God can even be on their way to a place called Enoch. Not saying we live there, but we're still human. We can be drawn to a place called Enoch. We could be on our way there and not even realizing it because we're making adjustments along the way. This is this is my new life now. This is how things are going to be. And I guess just accept them the way they are. Uh, whether we realize or not, we could be walking on our way to Enoch as opposed to where God is trying to call us. It doesn't mean that we're living there. But we, maybe we're learning to adjust to a, a current situation. No need for hope because this is the way it's going to be. And we may not even realize it where we are headed. But while, while Cain built this place of despair and hopelessness, named it after his son, and its influence continues to grow and to reach and to spread its tentacles into this world and into the hearts of men and women, uh, it begins to grow. And more and more people are drawn to such a state and state of mind and a place in their life where just like, well, I guess this is just the way it is. There's no need for hope. This is just the way it is. However, in that same chapter, it doesn't end like that. It ends like this. Genesis 4, 26. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then men began men to call upon the name of the Lord. And so while people of the earth were being drawn to this place called Enoch, being pulled there into that pit little by little, there were some people uh, who said, we're not going to settle for that in our life. We're not going to give in to that drawing, that, that, that hopelessness and despair. I'm not going to go in that direction. I'm going to start looking up. I'm going to start looking up, and I'm going to start calling upon the name of the Lord. Instead of a place of decline and misery, I'm going to start going to the place of uplifting and a place of praise because we still have a choice. When your situation changes, we we still have a choice. Are we going to settle for this? Are we just going to give up? Are we going to say, God, I'm going to start calling on your name. God, I need you in my life. God, I need you to get a hold of you in my situation. 
You see, we still have a choice. Are we going to head towards Enoch or are we going to head towards the name of the Lord? You see, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we know the Spirit of the Lord was not in Enoch because Cain was banished from the presence of God. And so where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom, there is power to lift up and power to heal and the power to transform. Everything opposite of that is going to be found in this place called Enoch, a place of despair and depression and hopelessness and, and pain and sorrow. Uh, uh, but no matter your situation, no matter what you're feeling, it all starts by just calling upon the name of the Lord, and that begins uh, the transformation to walk, uh, change the direction you're walking in, whether you're going to Enoch or realize it or not. All it, all it takes is going to an altar and say, God, help me out here. God, I've been doing things on my own. God, I've lost my way. God, I don't know where I'd go. I don't know what choice to make. Uh, but it starts with calling upon the name of the Lord to take you in the right direction that God wants you to be in. You stand with me. In the next chapter, amazingly enough, Genesis chapter 5 and 24, there is the second person, the second man to be named Enoch. Cain named his son Enoch, and yet there, here comes another man, same name. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. You see, God has not called us to live in Enoch. He's called us to be in Enoch. He's called us to, to walk with him every single day and to call upon the name of the Lord. He, he's called us to, to talk with him and commune with him. And when we do that, God can take you from any situation, any pit, any place of despair that you might be in, and he can lift you out of that as, as Enoch was lifted out of this world. He was raptured out of this place. Uh, but yet while the first Enoch, he probably died in Enoch. Here comes another Enoch and says, hey, I'm not, I'm not living that life. I'm not going to accept that for my uh, situation. Uh, I'm not going to adjust to a living a life like that, but I'm going to start calling upon the name of the Lord. And you never know where that's going to lead you. Enoch did not know that he would be raptured out of this world and, and leave this world behind. He just said, hey, today I'm going to call on the Lord. And tomorrow I'm going to call upon the Lord. And, and each and every day being more disciplined and more faithful. And pretty soon God says, hey, there's no need for you to be here. We walk so much together. You're, you're becoming more and more like me. Just, it's time for you to get out of here. And so if you ever want to get out of your situation, if you're not happy with where, to, where the, what it, your surroundings is, it all begins just calling upon the name of the Lord. At an altar, uh, laying yourself out and saying, God, and surrendering to God. It all starts with that. And, and some of you are fighting with the, the tentacles of Enoch, is trying to reach you and, and to suffocate you and to drag you and, and to pull you into this dark city. Uh, but to defeat Enoch and to be delivered from Enoch, you need to become an Enoch and say, hey, I'm going with the Lord. I'm going to search out God. I got to get a hold of him. I got to go to church. I got to get in his presence because I don't want to learn to live and adjust my life uh, with less and less of God because soon enough I'll find myself down some path probably headed toward the city of Enoch and so I don't know what your situation is what you're dealing with but I do know that all it takes is for you just to call upon God that's the direction we need to head in. That's where we need to go is not towards this uh, city of Enoch, but we need to become Enoch's today and say, God, I know you have the power to deliver me and to pull me out of this pit, and uh, I'm not settling, the, settling for this because you have so much for me. Uh, you've got promises and callings in my life, and, and these things are coming into my life, and I don't know what
what they're doing here, trying to distract me and take me away. No, it starts by calling upon the name of the Lord and saying, God, help me out. Deliver me out of this situation, and God's going to do it. He's here today. He wants to lift people's head. He wants to heal you and restore you and set you back on that place where God has called you to go. So I want to open up these altars today. Anybody here that just just wants to call upon the name of God and say, God, uh, uh, maybe I've I've lost my way, or maybe I'm just kind of been in the wilderness and I don't know where to go. I don't know what direction I'm headed, God, and uh, it just kind of doesn't feel right right now, God. And I just need to seek Your face, God. I need to make sure I'm not headed towards Enoch, God, but live, deliver me from this situation. Will you come? Will you come and begin to cry and begin to worship the Lord? God wants to deliver whoever is bound today, the captives to be set free today. Why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is liberty in this place to lift you up, to help you, to heal you, to restore you, to comfort you. Come on, will you come? Will you come and seek his presence today? Hallelujah, Jesus. Whatever you have need of, it is found here in this place today. That's where you'll find everything. Help us, Lord, to stay on the right track with you. Even a little decision, God, cause us to sway. He'll draw in the wrong direction, God. Help us. Replant our feet, God, in the right path today. Hallelujah. Come on, we come and worship Him together. In the presence of the Lord. Oh, there's healing here. In the presence there's deliverance here today. That's where you'll find it. Don't settle for your situation. That you need. God has called you to a higher purpose. When we seek his face, he's got something for you. He'll draw near to Hallelujah, us. Jesus. In the presence of Shake the off the despair and the pressure. That's not where God has for you. He's got joy and liberty and the Holy Ghost. Come on. We're the people of God. To live in victory. Shake off those things of Enoch. Until I feel your presence surrounding me. Come and get your joy and your happiness in the Holy Ghost today. to one another. I Pray with somebody who needs prayer. Call out their name before the Lord today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Your presence surrounding me in the presence of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord. That's where you'll of the Lord in the presence of the Lord that's where you'll find everything that you need when we seek his face he'll draw near to us Oh, yeah. 
because of what God has done for us and he's fighting for us. It's hard enough fighting on our own, but when God steps in and says, here, let me give you a hand, let me help you out of your situation, amen, that's what it's all about, living for God, amen, and calling upon his name every day to making sure we're on the right path, right? Check our steps. We don't want to be, be, be drawn to the city of Enoch, but we want to be drawn to the presence of God, right? Amen. And not selling for anything less than what God has called us to do in the place God has called us to be. Amen. And we can be with him. And one of these days, we'll, uh, the Lord tarries and we're still tarrying here. We'll, we'll experience that feeling that Enoch had of just being taken by God. Amen. Because we decided not to live in Enoch, but to be in Enoch and to walk with God every day. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed today in Jesus' name. Go and be in Enoch, amen, and help deliver people from the city of Enoch as the people of God. Man, don't forget about the bread that we have in the back. You want to grab some.